0: You're listening to the Farm Report Podcast with Jake and Corey. Brought to you by Indians Baseball Insider and Broadcast on the Smoke Signals Podcast Network. We're talking Tribe. Whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, Editor-in-Chief for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to an All-Star Break edition of the Farmport Podcast. That's right, the uh, Major League teams are on their All-Star Break, but there's still minor league baseball being played, and uh, plenty of prospect talk to get to, and here to discuss and uh, chat with me, as always, about uh, the Indians' prospects and farm system is uh, IBI contributor Corey Christen. Corey, how's it going?
1: Hey, Jake, I'm doing great, and yeah, it's really weird that we're finally, we're at the All-Star break already, and you know, it seems like yesterday we were just talking opening day and what might happen throughout the season, but um, with, with all the minor league seasons kind of getting into the second half, and now the Major League Baseball All-Star break's here. Lots of Indians stardom to talk about the, uh, at the major league level, and of course around the farm system, uh, a lot of prospects made some good impacts in their All-Star weeks. So it, things are going pretty well around here, and, if, and especially over here in Niles, the Scrappers are in first place in the in the Penny Division in the New York Penn League, and they're contending for the league's best records. So all's all's well over here, man.
0: Yeah, how about uh, how are things going now, Mahoning Valley? you've been back for a little while. Uh, and seeing some of the scrappers play. I mean, we were talking a little off the air about guys like Tyler Freeman, Richard Palacios, uh, Josea Nelson, of course, Luis Oviedo. Uh, you got to see some of these guys in person. Uh, what's your early impression?
1: Yeah, good place to start, huh? I mean, the top few hitters in that lineup, Jose Fermin, who's a shortstop uh, by nature. He can play second base as well. Um, very good table setter for the scrappers. He can get on. He can run well. Um, and then Tyler Freeman, his, his double play partner, who's one of the top Indians infield prospects. You know, you could tell why the Indians drafted him. He's smooth. He doesn't do too much herky-jerky stuff. He's, he's pretty fluid with his, his batting, with his motion and the stance. And then when he fields the ball, you can just tell he's comfortable out at second base or shortstop, wherever you put him. Um, and then Richie Palacios, who's now leading the league and hitting officially qualified as today, um Palacios and Freeman are actually one and two in the Penn league in batting average Palacios is pretty solid so far he's riding a 15 game hitting streak um and I'm sure we'll talk more about him a bit later um Jose Nelson has hit his second walk off hit he had a walk off home run um on Sunday against uh, Hudson Valley so yeah the scrappers are moving along pretty well um and then Luis Oviedo who of course your three-time reigning New York Penn League Pitcher of the Week—I don't think that's ever happened in not just Scrappers history, but I'm pretty sure league history um, as well. So that's been awesome. He's been amazing to to watch so far. So yeah, things are going great over here in Niles and uh, over at Eastwood Field. And if you have the chance to come out and see him, then you know definitely there's some good young talent around here.
0: Looking forward to it. I got to get out there soon. Uh, Check them out for myself, hopefully on a night where Oviedo pitches, because I want to see this guy in person. But uh, going to the opposite end of the farm system, of course, all the way up to Cleveland, we had, before uh, the All-Star break for the Indians, Francisco Mejia got to see his first live game action for the Indians this year. As he was called up to play the final games against the Yankees Uh, before the All-Star break, Shane Bieber was sent back to Columbus to stay on his normal pitching schedule throughout the break, and then he'll... Come back up um, likely after the break and the Indians resume play and uh, reassume uh, re- his spot in the rotation. But Mejia only played in one game, went 0 for 2 with two walks. I mean, not much to go on there. But I w- the more intriguing part of the story, other than what he actually did on the field, was the fact that he only played in that one game for the last few games he was up. Uh, Terry Francona, of course. Uh, Talking about how they prefer to keep him in Columbus so he can play every day, and you know, with Gomes and Perez, Manning catcher every day, and you know, we talked about Mejia's uh, reported reluctance to play anywhere but catcher uh, for the Tribe, this, despite the urging, the urging of uh, the coaching staff uh, by the Indians and in Columbus and and the organization in general. But so this is kind of interesting because we were talking before we went on the air about uh, Jesus Aguilar, a former Indians farmhand who is doing great things for Milwaukee this season and uh, actually is an all-star after the final vote came through for him in his favor and now is also a home run derby participant and has been on the subject of a lot of hot hot takes in Cleveland, uh, talking about did the Indians give up on him too soon, did they let him go for nothing... Uh, did they handle his situation poorly? Uh, all the stuff which I don't really want to get to, but I, I look at his situation, I look at what's going on with Mejia, and maybe even Yandy Diaz, too, you can throw him in that boat, too. There's a lot of parallels because, I mean, maybe with Mejia and the uh, reported attitude issues and whatnot, maybe it's more justified, but do you see any parallels going on here with Mejia or Yandy Diaz or any these guys that... Terry Francona does not seem to give a fair shake to at least that's what it appears from our perspective, uh, as compared to Jesus Aguilar when he was in Cleveland because uh, we all remember how you know during a playoff game against the Houston Astros uh, they started Chris Jimenez at first base over Jesus Aguilar that was kind of like the uh, the capstone moment of that whole of that whole controversy so uh, what's your what's your take there Corey
1: there's a lot here in this entire discussion because the the parties that we're t- thinking about and talking about are all solid players, or at least were once regarded as um, at one point. And Jesus Aguilar kind of is the one that we're talking about because there's been so much flying around him within the Cleveland area, like you said. And l- listen, it just didn't work out with the organization he went to another organization. Something got to him. They brought something out of him that maybe Cleveland didn't, whether it was actually just playing time or maybe there was a mechanic adjustment in spring training. You know, there's there's way more to read into than we have time for. But good, you, first of all, you got to say good for him and congratulations to him on his accolades. That's, that's truly remarkable in such a short turnaround with Milwaukee. But the thing with Mejia is – First of all, the organization asked him to change positions, and was he was very reluctant to do so. That's number one. And, Jake, you and I know the MO of this organization. They like guys that have versatility, that can play multiple positions, they can play wherever they need them, whenever they need them. Kind of the same with Yandy Diaz. Not saying he wasn't happy with transitioning from third base to the outfield, but he's been a third baseman his entire minor league career up until recent. And then the organization said, Well, we'd like to try have you try this. And the reasoning behind that was to extend that versatility and to expand his possibilities of making the big league team. And think about it, if either of those two actually panned out in the outfield by now, they would more than likely have a starting job, if not be that third or fourth outfielder. I mean, with the situation that's going on in Cleveland's outfield, you know, they definitely could use someone like Mejia or like Yandy Diaz's bats. But I say all that to say this. It's that while those parallels can be drawn between the three, I don't know if it's fair to comp... It's such a weird scenario. I don't know if it's fair to comp Mejia and Aguilar's scenarios because Mejia's always been groomed as a top prospect and a prized commodity within the organization. Jesus Aguilar, while heavily scouted when he was young and brought up for numerous years throughout the system. He was a top prospect pretty much until he got to those higher levels and then he started to fade away. The decline was visibly there. And then when he did get playing time in Cleveland, he really didn't show much. So is the Mejia call up because they could have used the extra bat against the Yankees? Is it to showcase in a potential trade what was the actual motive behind it? I mean, you could have called anybody up, quite honestly. And I understand sending Shane Bieber down. It makes total sense to do that. So he gets another start during the All-Star break, keeps him in routine. We're going to push that topic aside because it's a non-point. But it had to be out there, just for the record. But for me, he had to be called up, of all people. You know, that says something, too. And the way Eric Haas is hitting down in Columbus right now, he's on absolute fire. We'll get to him soon. You know, the organization's got to be thinking and spinning the wheels on this on this trade machine because if Eric Haas becomes viable at some point and perhaps could be September call-up worthy and 40-man roster, he's already there. If he can become that person in place of Mejia and the organization feels that way, that make them more inclined to deal him. So would the motive therefore be to have him as a showcase? It's such an odd scenario Um, I don't know if Yanni Diaz would be a bigger player in a scenario like this. I mean, I understand that he really hasn't gotten the benefit of the doubt or the chances really up in Cleveland under the Terry Francona uh, tenure, but I I wonder if it's because, you know, they just want to try different options. Like they feel like a Melky Cabrera, for example, is a better option. It's such an odd dynamic because, in principle, Mejia should be in the big leagues. And maybe Yandy Diaz should be. And maybe Aguilar should have been more consistently. But the fact of the matter is, Aguilar wasn't, and the other two aren't. So it's so odd the way the Indians have played these three guys. So with Mejia, we'll obviously see how it shakes out over the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, we'll see indeed. And uh, I'm sure we'll hear more buzz about Mejia as far as trade rumors are concerned over the coming weeks. So we'll monitor that situation. But, yeah, Mejia... Definitely a weird situ- in a weird situation right now for being one of the, not only the Indians' top prospect but one of the top prospects in all of baseball. So we'll see how that plays out, and uh, we'll see if the see if it affects his trade value at all. Because I'm sure you know that other teams aren't just looking at like the uh, the prospect rankings and seeing where Mejia ranks, and then based on their val trade valuation based on that. I'm sure other teams are keeping tabs on how the Indians are handling his situation, and if uh, if We'll see if it affects his value or not, but uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, speaking of the All-Star break, uh, Kieran Lovegrove pitched in the Futures game. Mejia did not play. He was the other Indian, Indian selection because, of course, he was up in Cleveland at the time. But Lovegrove pitched a third of an inning, allowed a solo homer to, I think it was Taylor Trammell, who ended up being the Futures game MVP. But uh, Lovegrove, uh, still, even though he gave up the solo homer, was... Uh, Uh, capping off what has been a great uh, rise back into prominence for him as a pitching prospect because we know him as a former, I believe, third-round pick, top-round pick, uh, came in as a starter, uh, had to deal with some uh, role change, some struggles, some inconsistency, and now he's back on top uh, as a a lights-out reliever for Akron and could be on the map for Cleveland soon. We talked a a lot about him last week, so we won't dwell on him too much, but... uh, uh, Love Grove pitching to the, in the Futures game. Regardless of the results, uh, really a testament to uh, what he's done so far and how hard he's worked to get back to this point.
1: Yeah, he's been one of the most underrated storylines in this entire system throughout the season. Um, and the, the the lines have kind of written themselves. We talked about him, like you said, at length last week about how he really didn't work out as a starter, and then the Indians organization basically tried him in the bullpen, and it's working. Um, I mean, give it up a home run in the Futures game. Honestly, who cares? <laughs> it's, it's a good thing that he was in the event in the first place, and he's getting that recognition as not only being a representative of South Africa, which if he were to make the big leagues, he'd be the second ever to do it from that country. Um, and then you got to him going from a starter that really didn't work out to a reliever that's really one of the best in minor league baseball right now. And like we said last week, could be a dark horse to make that Indians bullpen. Um, so yeah, I think it's great that he got to be there in the first place. It's great that he got to represent the organization. He's a he's a very nice guy. I remember talking to him a couple of years ago, at Mahoning Valley. And even if you follow him on Twitter, um, he's he's pretty interactive on there. And um, you know, Funny. he could be future. <laughs> he really is. No, he really is. He doesn't um, you know go at people per se, but he'll he'll interact. You know, like. I've mentioned him a couple times on Twitter, working with the Scrappers and stuff, and he's been on there, so um, you want guys like that to, first of all, represent your organization, and I'm sure he's making his country proud as well, so it's it's just a great thing that he was in that event participating in the first place.
0: Yeah, if you want to follow uh, guys who are funny on Twitter, I mean, I'm one of the... the- Prime example of funny baseball players on Twitter, I always go to is Brandon McCarthy. Uh, he's a he's a funny guy on Twitter. Kieran Lovegrove also very funny, so give him a follow. I think it's like Lovegrove19 or uh, is his handle. So check that out on Twitter uh, if you get to get a chance. Give him a follow because he's like Corey said, he's interactive, but he's also pretty entertaining in his commentary. So uh, uh, yeah, check that out. And congrats to him on uh, pitching in the Futures game. Again, regardless of the results, it's great to see him come all the way back to the point where he's uh, on top of his game again, and now he pitches for Team World, representing his country. Uh, very, very good storyline. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit, since we're in middle of uh, the All-Star break right now, uh, I thought it would be kind of fun if each of us named... The top three prospects in the Indians organization right now who have the best chance, in our opinion, of being uh, Major League All Stars. Now, you know, it could probably be easy to just go one, two, three on our prospect rankings and go that way, but I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. I think that you can't just pick the top three prospects or the par- prospects with the most talent. I think there's a lot of things that come into play. You have to pick who has the best chance of being All Stars, not who has like the most talent or the most upside. So uh, I think with that in mind, uh, I think we should each go through our top three. Uh, Corey, I'll let you go through your top three, and you can uh, explain your reasoning behind each pick.
1: This this is actually a really hard question because, like you said, the obvious cop-out would be to say Mahia, McKenzie, Bradley, slash Beaver being the consensus top three or whatever prospects in the system. I think it's a little harder than that. I'll take one of those guys for sure in Tristan McKenzie. Um, I, I, I just think that he has frontline dominant stuff. He's six five. He's he's built to pitch. He strikes guys out. He just misses bats. Um, I, I think he's bona fide and has that potential. I'm going to go – I could say Mejia if I had faith that he'd be with the organization past the trade deadline. So for the sake of conversation, I'll say that he would be in there, It you know, otherwise, but I'll name two other guys. I'm going to go Andrew Kalika because we've talked about him in pretty good lengths in previous podcasts about um, just the first of all, the season he's had having this year, but he, he has the demeanor of a great baseball player. He's one of those guys that checks the boxes and pretty much all the areas. He doesn't do one thing so spectacularly well, but he does everything pretty well. <laughs> you know, he's not a superstar, in that regard, but he's a very good baseball player. And the way that All-Stars are being selected now, um, you look at guys that are just, you know, it's not like it used to be. I guess I could say the old cliche. You know, it's not that you have to hit 300 to be an All-Star. Like, you don't have to hit for the greatest batting average and all that. You know, you can squeak in if you, first of all, of course, are a fan favorite. I'm not, I'm not a fan of fan voting, but... That's another argument for a different day. But the if you can put together solid stat lines like Kalika has in a couple of his minor league seasons, and if he can translate that to the big leagues, then I think he could definitely be one. The third one, I, the third one's so hard for me because I don't want to call him an all-star yet, and I could be a little biased because I've just seen him play, but I mentioned Tyler Freeman at the top of the show, and... I understand he's very young and he's just starting his professional career, but this is like way fo- this and this is like way foreshadowing. But just like I said, from what I've seen from him in the Honing Valley so far, you could tell he's comfortable either at second base or at shortstop, and one day he's going to find a home at either spot. He hits for average. He's got a, he's got so much time to develop a power stroke. He runs pretty well. I mean, he just he just is fluid and he's a solid player. Um, I'm not saying he's got the third best chance to be an all-star, but I think he has the potential to certainly be one one day. And then there's guys like Bobby Bradley who can hit baseballs to the moon if he wanted to, and um, you know Shane Bieber obviously if we want to include him as a prospect still, um, you know he's got that potential as a as a potential two or three starter. But I think those are some pretty confident picks in my book uh, going with Freeman Kalika and then
0: McKenzie well you and I are uh, pretty simpatico on uh, two of the three picks because I too have Tristan McKenzie and Andrew Kalika on my list but my second pick is going to be the guy you just mentioned Shane Bieber because uh, I, I figured I'd go with my list I'd go with the guy with one guy with the explosive talent one guy with the uh, all around game skills And then one guy who just has kind of that intangible it factor. So uh, McKenzie, of course, being the uh, the explosive talent who I think can uh, pitch at any level if given the chance and given the time to uh, adapt himself. Uh, I think that Shane Bieber is the guy with the intangible it factor because, you know, while he may not have the greatest stuff like ace-level stuff like Corey Kluber, again, when we make the comps, it's... Excuse me. When we make the comments to Corey Kluber, it's not about him being the same type of pitcher that Corey Kluber is, as far as having the the ace level stuff, but uh, him being uh, an in game manager and him being a guy who goes about his uh, business the right way between starts. His, he keeps to his routines. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to he knows how to get himself ready between starts. He knows how to uh, taking scouting reports, all that. He's got that in-game manager skill and that, again, just that intangible it factor that's just hard to put into words, but just after watching him pitch, you can tell that, you know, he knows how to make adjustments. He knows how to manage games. He knows how to approach hitters uh, from one b- at-bat to another. He knows how to uh, mix his pitches well. And it's – you can tell he's, he's just got the, the – the, the work ethic and the inte- intelligence and pitching acumen to be able to put all that into effect re- regardless of how good his stuff is. And it's already pretty good. It's, again, not ace-level ace stuff, but with everything else in that he brings to the table, he could probably elevate himself just based on that. And, you know, he, of course, got, has the command working for him. The, and, uh, again, he has some he has some pretty decent stuff in in his own right, so that's why I put Bieber at number two. And then, of course, number three, Andrew Kalika, for the same reason you said. He just checks all the boxes, or as many boxes as possible. He's probably not going to hit 30 homers, but then again, stranger things that happen. I never thought, uh, I'd see Jose Ramirez or Francisco Lindor hit 30 homers. Here they are. Uh, Jose is at uh, 30 homers before the, all- or 29 homers before the All-Star break, and Lindor is, close- is not far behind him, so stranger things that happened, as I said. But Kalika, he has a little bit of power. He has uh, gap-to-gap power. He uh, hits the ball to all fields. He can hit for a high average and gets on really good hot streaks. Uh, when he, and can once he gets going, it's hard to slow him down. Uh, he plays the field well. We've seen him make uh, multiple highlight reel catches this year for Akron, and he runs the bases. He can probably steal you 20, 30 bases a year. And I think when you just cons- put that all into consideration now the the difference is he, can he do that at the uh, or the question rather is can he do that at the major league level and that remains to be seen but if he does i think he's going to check enough of, enough of those boxes to make himself into a major league all-star at some point so uh with that all being considered, those would be my three for the uh, All-Star future All-Star uh, team. But, you know, some honorable mentions. Well, we'll get to – I think we'll each name some honorable mentions here in a second, but uh, I'll get your uh, reaction to my list.
1: I think going back to Kalika, continuing that conversation, because some people might have heard that and, you know, you don't hear him as a, um, you know, top five guy in the Indian system or – You know, really mentioned along the lines of Mejia and McKenzie and Yu Chang or any of those top flight guys. But when you go to watch a a game that he plays in, you you start to take notice, and this is kind of any baseball game. You start to take notice who just kind of understands it and, and who just goes out there and is so aware of what's going on and is situational and... Just as he knows where to run and and how to to go about it, when you watch Kalika play, you can tell that he's such a technician in his craft that the reason why he checks off all those boxes is because of it. It's because he takes good routes to fly balls. It's because he takes sharp turns around bases when he runs. It's because he's not he's not. Crazy in the batter's box, and he's waiting for pitches, and he's patient, and um, he's got a good eye at the plate. Those are the kind of things that build foundations for guys like Jose Ramirez, for example, who wasn't exactly, you know, you mentioned the home runs. He wasn't, you know, a world beater in the minor leagues either, but sometimes you just come around and you figure it out. But Jose always had that. Foundation. If you read old scouting reports, you see that he has good technical skills, but it's a matter of consistency, putting it together, and maybe having that one thing that sets you apart from, say, um, player B, you know, or whoever he may be competing against for a position. So when you talk about Kalika, that's something you have to keep in mind. But yeah, Bieber, McKenzie, enough has been said about those two. They're dynamic. Their future – McKenzie could be a future one. Beaver for sure is a future two, and then Floor probably as a four. So, you know, the Indians got two really good arms in that regard as well.
0: All right, so some honorable mentions here. Uh, I I would have, you know, guys like uh, Mitch Longo, Ernie Clement, maybe Connor Capel. I would also include guys like Eli Morgan. Uh, James Karinchak, uh, Ben Krauth, maybe the aforementioned Kieran Lovegrove. There's a lot of guys you can include on that list, but uh, there's uh, there's definitely some uh, maybe maybe even Connor Maribel too. But uh, he's you know he's been up so up and down, but, but uh, so far this year really putting things together again. Uh, who do you who do you think should be uh, honorable mentions on this list?
1: Well, if Bahia stays with the system, then definitely. I think he's definitely an all-star, but there's just so much trade winds blowing around him right now. It's really hard to tell, but I'd say if Meji is in this organization, then he's pretty... I'm not saying he's a lot to be an all-star one day, but I think he has a really good chance at making one of those teams.
0: Yeah, definitely. So... Uh... Yeah, I'm excited to see how these guys continue to develop. Some of them have already gotten minor league all-star bids. Some of them are closing in on their major league uh, careers if they're not there already, a la Shane Bieber. But uh, I'm excited to see them continue to develop and uh, get to the major leagues hopefully someday with the Indians. And uh, Kalika, again, one of those guys who kind of like... uh, an Eli Morgan, or a Mitch Longo, or even a Connor Capel. Guys who are just flying under the radar perpetually, it seems like. But uh, I feel like as they continue to move up further in the farm system, that uh, they will continue to gain more traction in their uh, baseball uh, recognition among the uh, fan base. But, hey, let's talk a little bit about you since you mentioned him. Eric Haas, who has won back-to-back International League Player of the Week honors, and he remains locked in at the plate coming out of the All-Star break. I mean, right now, I think he's batting close to 400 in the month of July. It's it's weird because uh, since coming off of the all, uh, All-Star break, or actually since the uh, beginning of the month of July, you know, Mejia started to cool off a little bit after his red-hot June, and uh, Eric Haas has picked up the slack uh, right where Mejia left off and been just as good, um, maybe if not better in some respects, than, uh, than Mejia. So... Haas right now batting three sixty with an uh, OPS of nearly 1,200. He's got five homers and 21 RBIs already in 13 games, which, by the way, he only had uh, six homers and uh, 23 RBIs in uh, May and June combined. That's uh, 48 games combined. So uh, really stepping up the uh, power production and the run production so far this month. And, uh, you know, he's not sh- He's not striking out a whole ton of I me. Mean, he's not walking a lot either, but really putting the bat on the ball well and driving it f- uh, out of the park. And uh, really nice to see him heat up. And uh, as you said, if uh, this friction and tension continues to build with Mejia and he ends up being on the trade market, then you know this could be where the Indians say, "Hey, you know what? We got Eric Haas ready and waiting in the wings." Uh, and he's obviously a better. Uh, catching prospect, I would say, just from a defensive standpoint, the way he manages games, handles the pitching staff, and he's you know he handles the run game well. he does everything better behind the plate than Mejia, I think, on average. Whereas Mejia is probably more of a, a talented raw hitter, but Has uh, since last season, he's picking up where he left off, especially this month, and you know he's. Uh, OPS is climbing. He's up to 749 now in the year with 12 homers and 51 RBIs in 81 games. You know, he might not uh, eclipse the uh, run production totals he had last year, but uh, if this hot streak continues, he's uh, really uh, making up for some lost time from uh, the first couple months of the season.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a Sands-Mejia. Mejia Mejia kind of – they both kind of struggled at the beginning of the season, and then Mejia picked it up. Kind of right before the All Star break, and now Eric, here comes Eric Haas with the big turnaround, um, and Eric Haas just got some national recognition too. He got named basically as the headliner for MLB Pipelines Team of the Week this week. So congrats to him for that. Um, it's really making things interesting for the organization because he's already on the Haas is already on the 40 man roster. Um, we know he spent time with the with the team in spring training and got some abs with the big league. Uh, with the big league guys around him. Um, so, obviously, Terry Francona's had eyes on him. Um, he's been grooming throughout the system for a number of years. He's he's very comfortable within the system. Um, and he's getting those opportunities, and he had a breakout season last year. I mean, honestly, this was – this. if he continues this, this is probably the missing piece to him making that jump one way or another, whether it is with the Indians or whether it's, you know – um, if, if the Indians are looking to deal a catcher and people are peeking on Haws for whatever reason, if they were inclined to deal him, not saying they would, but you never know. So it's making things interesting. Like I said, and if you have Eric Hawes, who kind of struggled throughout the season up until this point, if he falls back down, then we're kind of back to where we were. But if he continues a hot tear into the end of this month and even the beginning of August, um, especially once we're floating on that trade deadline, then the organization's got to make a move. Because one way or another, when you have 40-mans coming around and you have um, the end of the season coming around, you probably want to get Jan Gomes, who is now an all-star, and Roberto Perez, you probably want to get them some rest. So if Eric Haas can give the Indians that in a pinch, whatever way possible, then I feel that he could do it. And I'm confident that he could. He has that ability to manage a pitching staff, which I think is his strongest suit, just the way that he manages games. You know, the two no hitters at Columbus through the season were uh, received by Haas. So he's got that going for him, which is really nice. Um, and we've talked a lot about him otherwise and you know, we both are pretty consensus that he's a very solid catching prospect. The Indians have a really good problem on their hands with him and Mejia pretty much ready to go at Triple A.
0: Yeah, and with John Gomes and Roberto Perez already in Cleveland, they have a pretty good uh pretty good problem indeed with as far as their catching is concerned and uh boy, talking about speaking of catching, how about Noah Naylor is now uh, playing for Arizona the uh, second rookie league team in Arizona for the Indians, he's uh, gotten off to a good start, and I think right now he's, are, I think he's uh, hit a double as we speak here on uh, on um, Monday night here. But Neuer, of course, signed with the Indians uh, not too long ago. Now starting to play in uh, professional in, uh, professional ball, and you know so far batting uh, 222. He's got. Uh, at least as the official stats note, uh, an RBI in four games. But reports are out of Arizona from multiple sources that uh, he is really uh, handling himself well in the early goings behind the plate, showing off uh, his defensive skills, and now already seems to be uh, showing off uh, some uh, hitting skills as uh, Naylor hit his first extra base hit, uh, doubled off the center field wall as we speak in Arizona tonight, so, uh, his first extra base hit for, uh, the professional, uh, for the professional ranks, and, uh, we also had Lenny Torres make his, uh, professional debut, which we'll get to in a second, but Naylor, uh, early indications are good, and, uh, if this is, uh, any indication of what the future has in store, it's just, an yet another, uh, equ- uh, yet another factor in this equation, catching equation for the Indians,
1: Yeah, for that future, and I I think when he was drafted, those eyebrows were raised because you think of Mejia, who's been groomed as the future in that position for years now, and then you take a catcher in the first round. not saying they haven't taken catchers early, because they took Logan Ice a couple years ago in the second round, I believe it was. It was their second rounder competitive B, but anyway. Um, So they took Logan Ice early, he's battled some injuries, so it was either a rehash on trying to get a catcher early with that has a lot of talent, or maybe it is uh, in a mirage form, a way of prepping for a potential life after Mejia. And I'm not saying that's the exact thing that they're doing, but you just don't know. But in any route, um, having Noah Naylor finally making his, at least Indians organizational debut. And now he's starting to get some games in, um, I wonder what the organization has planned for him because he's only 18. But at the same time, we mentioned the scrappers earlier. They're winning. They're in first place in their division. They're competing for the best record in the league. I wonder if the organization would be inclined to bring him up to Mahoning Valley. I know he's very, very young. And to think 18, um, playing in the Penn league, you know, that's not uncommon. It's not exactly common either. So, um, that would add really good depth to the scrappers if that were to happen, but that would probably be another uh, month or so from now at the very at the very latest. So for what he's doing right now, if, if he logs those at bats and he logs solid at bats, maybe he shows some of that gap power that his his scouting report suggests, and we know he's got some baseball blood in his family. His brother, uh, his brother Josh, is a prospect in the Padres system, so. He's got some good pedigree to him. Uh, He has a lot of potential, obviously. So, yeah, I'm excited for him to get going, and let's see what he can do throughout the season.
0: I'm excited, too. And uh, Lenny Torres, as I mentioned before, made his first uh, appearance for uh, the Rookie League Club tonight. And uh, Bill Mitchell, who's a uh, minor league baseball photographer down in Arizona, uh, reported on Twitter saying, that uh, Torres's fastball was clocking in at 93 to 95, with his breaking ball at 81 to 84. Uh, quote: One scout called it a slider, the other called it a hammer curveball, and said it was a good swing and miss pitch. So, uh, Torres, who I was highly intrigued with, probably, probably I would say one of the more intriguing pick, uh, picks by the Indians in this draft. I had thought him and like Nick Sandlin were two of my more intriguing picks after. Maybe Naylor. I mean, Ethan Hankins is also intriguing, but uh, as Jeff said, he has some uh, uh, injury history, a little bit of baggage there. But uh, Torres, uh, guy who's already start, starting to flash some of his uh, dominant stuff. At least you know, one inning is not going to show a whole lot, but uh, you know, the fastball is there. He's got a nasty breaking ball, it seems. Uh, so uh, good, good uh, first impression for him as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Those pitching prospects that were drafted pretty early, uh, you mentioned Sandlin, Torres, um, and Hankins, of course. You know, we talked about Sandlin as potentially being the guy that can move fast, but the other two guys, the Indians are going to take their good time with them and develop these guys, hopefully, into some long-term projects because there's a lot of potential. And these first four picks that the Indians made this year were really good. Then you had Richie Palacios in the the, uh, third round, who is leading the league in hitting right now in the New York Penn League with the Scrappers. So, so far it looks like these first few picks the Indians have made are looking pretty solid. And then, like we, we said with Naylor, we'll see how much more baseball, uh much more solid baseball he puts together.
0: Yeah, I wanted to talk about the – uh more, we'll talk more about those guys, I'm sure. I wanted to talk about the uh, guys who are batting back from Tommy John surgery. Unfortunately, we've run out a little bit of our time here, but so I'm sure we'll get to those guys next week. But uh, I want to do, I do want to uh, give my congratulations to Sean Brady, who pitched a heck of an outing last time out, uh, took a no-hitter into the seventh inning, uh, in one of his best starts of the year, and. Probably his best start since coming back from Tommy John surgery. So very, very good effort for him. So uh, we'll, we'll get to him and Pleasac and Henkes and uh, Justin Garza. We'll talk more about those guys uh, when we reconvene here. But for the time being, though, it's time to get to our, our Farm Report Player of the Week picks. And, you know, without further ado, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, most of, it seems like some of these weeks the pick is just uh, uh, pretty obvious where we're not even going like, to keep you guys in suspense. Uh, that, because this week it is none other than the aforementioned Eric Haas, who, I think, I think there's a typo here, in, in four games, he had 17 at-bats, five runs, eight hits, three home runs in only four games, two doubles, 11 RBIs, he had a walk and five strikeouts, batted 471 with an, uh, 11-18 OPS, it just, uh, couldn't have been anybody else, I mean, you hit... You hit three home runs in four games. You hit three home runs in a week. In general, it's uh, pretty freaking impressive. But in only four games, I mean, uh, and he had to take a, a few days off in between for the All Star break, and he just stayed locked into the plate. So, yeah, congrats to Eric Hos. Well deserving there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's just been on an. He's just been on a tear. He's seeing the ball well. He's hitting pretty much everything. A lot of power coming from him Just like we saw last year in his breakout year He's showing those flashes once again So congratulations to Eric Haas For his performance this week
0: Well let's look at last week's picks for us Uh, We both went uh, with uh, Scrappers players And Scrappers hitters more specifically And to be honest, both of us did pretty well. I had Josea Nelson, you had Richard Palacios. But I tell you what, Corey, you're on a roll right now because Palacios, in six games, batted 350 with a homer, a double, four RBIs, four walks, and four strikeouts. He had a, a 990 OPS last week. Meanwhile, Josea Nelson uh, did pretty well. Uh, 292 average in six games, two homers, six RBIs. He didn't walk at all, but he and had nine strikeouts. But you know, he had uh, came up some, uh, big in some key moments with uh, walk-off hits. Uh, 8.33 OPS in that span. Uh, both of us did pretty well, but obviously uh, you got to take the win there, Corey, with your Palacios pick. He did a uh, did very well there.
1: Not just that, but he's on a 15-game hitting streak. That's the uh, highest in the New York Penn League this season, and he's batting a wholesome 438 in his last 10. Um, he's officially qualifying for league stats, so he's leading the league in hitting. And then Tyler Freeman's actually right behind him at number two. So um, Palacios, I mentioned him earlier in the show, is you can tell he's calm when he steps in, and he has he has this demeanor at the plate that he knows what you're throwing to him. It almost looks like he knows what you're throwing to him and that he's going to make contact one way or another. Um, he's at 12 strikeouts, but he's walked 17 times. So in addition to his um, 32 hits and 80 at bats, which is good for a 400 average on the entire season, that's including five games with the Arizona league Indians. um, He's got that going for him. And then if you separate those numbers in Mahoning Valley, he struck out 10 times and walked 11. So about 50, 50. Um, So he's just been locked in so far. His professional debut uh, with the Indians organization. He's been steadily playing second base or shortstop, flipping with Tyler Freeman. He DHs so they get the bat in the lineup. So Palacios has been that consistent, you know, that top of that lineup with Mahoney Valley. Jose Fermin, who's hitting for a pretty high average right now, he's getting on base quite a bit and he's a pretty good threat on the paths. And then Tyler Freeman in the two hole and then Palacios in the three. That's a really good top of the lineup that the Scrappers have. Um, and they're, they're obviously winning ballgames, so it's working out.
0: All right, sounds sounds good. Congrats to Haas, congrats to Palacios, and uh, congrats to you, Corey, for uh, picking up another win this week. Uh, you're moving ahead in the leaderboard, starting to open up a little bit of a lead here, so I have to step up my game here. Um, since you're the winner, you get the honors. Who are you picking for next week?
1: I I have a feeling that you picked him a week too early. I'm going to go Jose and Nelson, um, and I'm going to stick with the Honing Valley Hopefully, good vibes. Um, he's hitting 368 in his last 10. He had a walk-off home run on uh, Sunday. He's got two of the scrappers, four walk-offs this season. He's hitting consistently fourth or fifth in that lineup every day. Um, he's plugging away. He's hitting 284 in the season in 21 games. Uh, got those couple home runs, and then he's showing some gap power, four doubles. So I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna go Nelson. I, I'm not saying you picked him a week too early, but I hope you did.
0: Uh, yep. Uh, I I have a tendency to do that. I mean, I think both times I've picked Francisco Mejia this year, it's always been on the one off week he's been on. So I'm kind of stepping away from picking him for a little bit so he can get back on track. But uh, I'm going to go a little bit off the board here and a little bit off the beaten path and go with a guy who's pitching in Lake County right now and actually pitching pretty well of late. And that is uh, left-hander Kirk McCarty, who... right now is pitching pretty well over his last several outings. In the month of July, he's pitched three starts, has a 196 ERA despite only going one and two. He's got 23 strikeouts in 18 and the third innings while giving up only four runs and 11 hits. Uh, he's only walked one in that span. So, uh, you know, he struggled early on in the season, had a 1080 ERA in April, 529 in May. But then uh, June... Uh, three something ERA, even three ERA and five starts in June, and things have just gradually and steadily gotten better as the season has gone on, and uh, people might not know the name Kirk McCarty, but he was a seventh round pick last year, he's got uh, 104 strikeouts and 92 and two thirds innings, so he's obviously got some strikeout stuff there, he's given up a lot of hits this year, but most of that was consolidated in the first couple of months, he's starting to put things uh, together of late, so... Uh, that's going to be my pick again, going off the beaten path here, and uh, going to go off, a little bit off the boards and uh, pick somebody, uh, pick somebody a little bit out there. So I think McCarty's going to do me do me well if he continues to pitch the way he has of late. If we saw
1: McCarty last season make some of those piggyback starts, when you see guys get drafted kind of like as high as McCarty did, seventh round, um, especially as a college arm, he's out of Southern Miss. You don't see a lot of innings being thrown. Kind of like what Alex Royalty and Adam Scott are doing with the Scrappers this year. They were, um, I think eighth round and fourth round respectively picked. So McCarty had some piggyback starts last season. He appeared in 13 games, but only started six. So that's half. Um, but this season now full-time start. that he's got 18 starts. And you mentioned those strikeout numbers. Um, he kind of showed that last season. He had about a, he had about a 3.3 to one strikeout to walk rate. So, Um, he's certainly improved that mark. He's about, actually, he's about four to one now. So just a little bit, he's improved it. Um, now he's taken advantage of those opportunities to throw more innings. Um, he's thrown 92 and two thirds innings and 18 starts. And, um, in his last few outings, he's gone five innings, six innings and seven innings. So Luke Carlin, the manager at Lake County, is obviously letting him open it up a bit. He's starting to trust his stuff a little more. And, uh, yeah, he's put together a solid season overall. So I like that pick a lot.
0: All right, so yeah, McCarty for for me and uh, Jose Nelson for you. We'll see who uh, see let's see if your hot streak will continue or if I'll start to gain some ground back. Uh, but again, congrats to Eric Haas. well deserving, uh, recognized as our player of the week and uh, more importantly, the international league player of the week for uh, his uh, second straight week. Um, final thoughts, Corey. Uh, what do you want to leave our listeners with this week?
1: Just enjoy the All-Star break. I I know that throughout the season, whether it's us two, and we're thankful that you listen, but whether it's us two hammering you guys with information or whether you read stuff on the site and it's, you know, there's a lot of, I don't want to call it chaos going on, but, you know, with the Indians' bullpen issues and the outfield issues now and, you know, all this talk about how they're kind of falling behind, just take a minute, relax, enjoy the All-Star break, watch... Um, watch Jose Ramirez as he makes the start. Lindor is going to play. Bauer may or may not pitch. Jan Gomes will likely play. So the Indians are going to be well represented in Washington, D.C. And especially with Jose Ramirez starting, um, former scrapper, former captain. I mean, we've seen him go throughout the system. Um, and it's kind of cool to see that, especially from our end. We see, you know, like every day I walk into the offices in Mahoney Valley and – there's a big poster of Jose Ramirez and a big poster of Francisco Lindor, um, just kind of hanging up. And it's really it's really cool to see that. So it, take time, enjoy the game. It, it's meaningless per se. Um, you know, it's it's fun. Just have fun with it.
0: Sounds good. Uh, my final thought is about is going to be updating the statuses of three pitchers who are have kind of been off the grid so far. Uh, Matt Esparza, who we haven't discussed all this year, uh, is actually back and pitching again. He finished his rehab with the uh, Arizona League Club and is actually now with the Lynchburg Hillcats. And uh, he made his first appearance uh, tonight, as a matter of fact, on Monday. Pitched, uh, I think right now he's at two innings, two hits, uh, one run, f- four walks. So command isn't quite back yet, but you know he's kind of been... Uh, Sideline for most of the season, so uh, he was a guy who was a top prospect for us for the last couple of years. So we'll see if he is able to work his way back and pick up where he left off. Uh, also, uh, Andrew Landtrip, former eighth round pick from the for the Indians a couple of years ago, had uh, yet to pitch in a professional game all this time. He's been making uh, some appearances with the Arizona League club and is uh, uh, has a four ninety one ERA and four appearances, three of them being starts. Although, those starts have been uh, uh, shortened mostly. He's been pitching one inning uh, per appearance. And most of his runs have been consolidated to uh, one uh, one appearance. Other than that, he's got uh, three hits, three walks, and five strikeouts in three and two-thirds innings. So, keep an eye on him and how he continues to progress. And the last thing, and I want to say this for all the people who keep asking me the same question, Brady Aiken, nobody knows what's going on with him because the Indians have not released any information about him and uh, are not providing any updates to his status, if he's injured, if he's working on mechanical things. But the only thing we pretty much know for sure is he's in Arizona somewhere working probably at the player complex with coaches uh, and working on something, I don't know. But you know, after his uh, rough showing in Lake County last year where he had com- uh, very, very severe command issues at times, uh, it's probably not surprising to see him uh, work on work some things out in Arizona if that is indeed the case. But as soon as we know something about uh, as soon as we you know something about Brady Aiken, you'll you folks will be the first to know as we will have an update here either on the site or on, in this forum on uh, uh, the Farm Report podcast. So uh, that's all, all we got for now on those updates. But uh, as far as uh, Matt Sparks and Andrew trip keep an eye on those guys and see if they. Are finally able to get back to uh, pitching again, get back to down to business, and uh, see what they can bring to the table for the Indians in the future. But uh, Corey, it's been another great show. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D Baseball. Corey's at C D Christen. We can, uh, you, or you can check out the uh, Smoke Signals account at Smoke Signals IBI and the. Uh, Site account at official underscore IBI. Get all our links, all our all our notes, all our breaking news, everything you can find there. Ask me and Corey uh, any prospect questions you have. We're always willing to engage in baseball conversation. And uh, reaching out to us on Twitter is the best way to do it. So uh, also be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a nice rating, and spread the word.
1: That is all we ask of
0: you. So until next time, for Corey Christian and the Farm Report Podcast, I'm Jake Dungan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at Smoke Signals SmokesignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.